Yo. The kids official sliding on the instrumental. Nordic combos twist your mental life forbidden. Peace to the public and power to the people. One more game. You have joined the space where the vulnerable are powerful. And the most gangster thing you could do is serve. Welcome to the All The Way Live podcast. This is indeed the All The Way Live podcast. And what my brother and I, Miles, do every single week is dedicate ourselves. We dedicate our time to give you all that carefully curated content for your cranium. We do it on a weekly basis. And uh, we do it for only one reason and one reason really, man. That reason is so that we can be a place of positivity. We can be a place of good energy for folks to come to, feel refreshed for their week, become informed, leave here with some dope uh, information that can help you sound smart in front of your friends. That's what we do it for, through that carefully curated content for your cranium. I will not lie and say, Mr. Miles Xavier, I'm so excited for this particular show. And this is by far my favorite thing to do for the week. So without further ado, we welcome you to the All The Way Live podcast. Yes, sir. Man, it feels good to be in this space. We hope it feels good to be you, wherever you are out there in the world. Uh, what's going down right here, though, you already know, is that Exeter is in the building by way of Johannesburg with my brother's way, uh, our folks on the boards, our team on the boards, uh, and in even a bigger way today than usual. Uh, and y'all going to find out why in a bit. But uh, on this side, Chicago is in the building. This podcast is recorded on stolen land. This land was cared for by the Potawatomi people, the Council of the Three Fires, and the violence done to remove them from this land that I love, that I'm proud to come from. Uh, is inseparable from the violence that we see in this country today, this city today, in this world today. And for that reason, and with that in mind, we lift up love for indigenous people the world over. We lift up love between black and brown people the world over, between all people the world over. Uh, hold it down for love, as always, is the All The Way Live podcast. That's how you know the intro's over. What a show we got for y'all today. Super stacked, super lined up, great conversation that we're going to be having today. Um, we are absolutely blessed to be joined by some pretty cool people that are going to be joining onto the particular show. It is not lost on us. That's still what's happening in Durban, um, in South Africa, Durban, over two weeks ago, where we saw the lives of over 400 people get lost in the floods. We are still running a buy me a coffee for that, where you can buy food packages that we can then help distribute over there to that community. Thank you to everybody that has already supported in us. We're getting closer to hitting our target goal of being able to get some parcels and food to some folks that need it in Durban. Yes. Big gratitude for all the support. Uh, big gratitude to our, our leadership. Uh, shout out to Namaka Gila, who's uh, making her, her debut run for uh, this South Africa 2022. So big support to her. And uh, yeah, man, the Mandulo team, I see y'all. I appreciate y'all, and I'm proud to be a part of it. Yep, our boy on the ones and twos, our producer, super producer, Hassan. Thank you, thank you for bringing up those images. So do go check out the Buy Me A Coffee Mandula Foundation. If you can, be sure to drop a package or two. Let's get it out to some kids. Let's feed some kids. And with that being said, Miles, I think it's about that time, bro. Let's get it. Yeah, 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 I get that, I get that. But is we live, though? Is we like all the way live though? You heard? So, 
I'm excited. You excited? <laughs> I'm drop. I'm dropping things. I'm so excited. As you can tell, I'm dropping things. I'm so excited. That's why I asked, man. I just wanted to call that out, man. We have a very special segment today. We have a guest in the building today. Uh, so without further ado, we're going to introduce what they do with the video and then get into an incredible conversation about the impact that they have. who is the co-founder of Footprint Positive, joining us. Mr. Cornel, it's such a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you for having me. I love what you guys are doing here. I'm okay. part of it. Well, we appreciate you being here, man. Yes, claps and snaps for, for our man, Footprint Positive. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you do. Footprint Positive is, yeah, basically a way, a simple way, a affordable way for people in the UK, for companies in the UK to offset their specific vehicle um, by planting trees, simple as that. We base it on specific vehicle, we base it on um, personal mileage, um, so we make it personalized to, to people. Um, it's a subscription model, um, so we make it as affordable as possible. We charge on a monthly basis, we aim for, you can either choose an 8, 10, or 15-year plan. Basically, we make you carbon neutral, your car, at least your vehicle, um, over over that time. So one of the things that we've been able to cover on this show, which has been bubbling up, is the fact that, indeed, people are increasingly getting more upset about the carbon emissions that their cars produce. So one of the cool things that we found about Footprint Positive, which is also why we were so excited to bring you onto the show, is to be able to discuss some of the cool, innovative ways that um, entrepreneurs are bringing the solution in order to solve what we know as um, the, the carbon emissions issues that are happening uh, with cars. So... When you speak of things such as carbon offsetting, um, what exactly is carbon offsetting and how does one get to uh, participate in that? So, whew, it's kind of worms you're opening there. Um, carbon offsetting, the, the simple idea behind it is basically there's CO2 emissions that cars uh, produce, that engine produce, all kinds of things produce. Um, they're bad for the environment. They... Uh, they contribute to global warming, those kind of things. So basically the idea of carbon offset is you counter that. So everything you produce, everything you emit, you offset by planting trees. Trees absorb CO2, um, produce oxygen. Um, so basically it's that idea. Um, I think personally I hope uh, that companies like ours, that initiatives like ours um, won't be here in 10 years' time. 
um, because it, it is it generally is a necessary but a, a very temporary solution. Um, the solution is not planting trees and keep emitting, keep um, polluting. The solution is net zero. The, the solution is clean transport, clean energy, those kind of things. So I'm, I'm, I'm generally hopeful that we don't have to run this for the next 10 years. We will. I know we will, because um, we will not get there in, in 10 years' time. But, yeah, it's it's a necessary thing because global warming is happening. Um, yeah. I hope we can start the conversation there. Is It is happening, but what can we do? Until we get there, what can we do in the meantime? That's um, super real. Something's necessary. Something needs to be done in the meantime. You can't Absolutely. just keep waiting. I, I really resonate um, with your point about, like, you hope you know, trying to work yourself out of a job, right? I feel like a lot of us who are trying to adjust social challenges and social issues are trying to work ourselves out of the job. And so to be able to commit yourself and invest your time and energy and effort into something like that, I can hear your passion in it, even in, in how you discuss it. Um, so were you always an environmentally conscious person or where did that, was there a turning point for you? Was it a documentary that you saw that like really- <laughs> A YouTube video at the very least. No, I, I don't think so. I don't consider myself to be an environmentalist still hmm. to this day. I am not somebody who will, you know, tie myself to a tree to stop it from being chopped down. Um, that's that's the image I get when, when you say environmentalist. I'm somebody who I personally believe that sometimes a solution just needs to be simple accessible and affordable for people to want to contribute to it. Um, and, and that's what we've tried to do with this. Um, there's, when I came up with the idea, I think it was about two years ago, um, at the beginning of the, the very first lockdown, the COVID lockdowns, um, that was the easy bit. Came up with the idea of, you know what, if, if, I, if it was accessible, if it was affordable, I'd do this. And so I made the, the assumption that every person with a good idea always makes this if i do it somebody else would do it as well um and so started looking started looking at what's out there at the moment and found a number of solutions a number of similar things to what footprint does um but with with two big differences um that first one being kind of personalized offsetting which for me was that was a big thing um so pretty much all the solutions out there at the moment, we'll, we'll work on an, an average basis. So the average person lives like this uh, or drives like that. The average person emits this much CO2. So therefore, we suggest you plant X amount of trees um, every month or every year or whatever to offset your, your emissions. Now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I, I don't even look at those organizations as quote-unquote competitors hmm. because basically we're all working towards the same thing. Yeah, we're not um, we're not in a race. We're not competing to save the world from CO two. We're working together, if anything. But the thing I struggle with with these kind of solutions is that they always benefit, like so many things, the the people who live or have almost the luxury of living above average. Hmm. So people who don't drive a lot or people who drive a car with a small engine that doesn't emit as much those people shouldn't be punished for wanting to offset their emissions by having to pay the average more than what it should cost them because there's people out there who drive more or have a bigger car, that kind of thing. 
Um, and, and so it's it's that kind of thing of we need to make this personalized. So as Footprint Positive, we take your personal mileage, your personal car into account to give you your price, not just an average price that works that works for everyone, whether rich or the, the bigger cars benefit from the smaller cars offsetting, offsetting mm. uh, the same amount. The other thing I noticed is... Um, issue I kind of figured is, is the idea of live offsetting. I call it live offsetting. Mm. It's this thing uh, where basically the solutions out there will claim that a tree absorbs, let's say, 1 million grams of CO2 over its lifetime, which is a decent calculation. But um, what they don't say in that, in that same sentence is that it will basically take 40, 50, 60 years um, from now before that has actually happened. Right. If you plant a tree today, um, can you really say that you've offset a million grams of CO2 from your lifestyle? I, mm. I personally don't think so, because in, in 20, what is it, 2070, you can say that the, the tree you planted today will have offset that. So that's the second part where um, I wanted to make sure that we make footprint positive different, is we've built into the calculations that the time it takes for a tree to grow to maturity. If you plant a tree today, it won't absorb the same amount as it will next year, as it will in five years, yeah. as it will in 10 years, um, until it's fully grown. So we, what we want to do is we aim to get people's cars carbon neutral in either 8, 10 or 15 years, depending on the plan they choose. What we don't say is if you emit, let's say, a million grams, to keep it simple, a million grams of CO2 per year, you need to plant one tree. And, and, and that's it for the year, because a tree absorbs a million grams. Yeah. Um, yeah. Get too much of that baby tree. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's not happening. That's not reality. Um, so what we do say is that through the subscription that you choose, we'll plant trees every month um, based on their growth rate and the number of trees that you're planting that we've calculated. All of those trees together will absorb, let's say in 10 years, you've taken a 10-year plan, will absorb what your car emits in that year. Now, obviously, on top of that, because the trees you plant, let's say in year nine, are this big, they will continue to grow. And over time, in the next, usually somewhere in the next five to seven, eight years, you will also offset your historic emissions. Mm. Um, but that, for me, is, is one of the bigger things, is that idea of life offsetting. It's You're not offsetting a million grams of CO2 for every tree that you plant. Um, yeah. Because first of all, not all the trees will survive that long in the first place. Yeah. You, got you see I'm smiling, Miles. You see I'm smiling with the live offsetting part and the personalized scoring part because that speaks near and dear to some of the work that, that, that we do and we champion, which is that uh, the more you empower people with actual tangible information about their... Uh, about what their contribution towards be it pollution in this instance is it allows the consumer to be a lot more conscious which is what we're seeing growing up so in the same way that we understand that a lot of the plastic uh, the 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 plastic pollution that's happened is not actually from people it's from corporate uh, corp organizations and from uh, c nets that are left out but people don't necessarily understand that so we've 
throwing away plastic straws, which are bad, yes, but that's not the main contributor. So when you speak about personalized scores and life offsetting, that really is then putting back into the consumer the power to actually know, like, okay, cool. Um, I know what I'm offsetting. I know uh, what my impact is. My, my question to you as somebody who's uh, so passionate about a better tomorrow is what does Cornel and the Footprint Positive's view on a better tomorrow actually look like? It's a good question. What does a better tomorrow look like? Um, I think for me that when you say tomorrow, I mean tomorrow. Um, I, I don't mean next year. And I think... Mm when we're talking about global warming, environmental crisis, all of those kind of buzzwords, I think that's one of the, almost the marketing mistakes that we've been making, that scientists have been making. We keep talking about by 2050, this will happen. By 2100, this will happen. That's 30 years away. We don't have, we don't receive any type of urgency with that, I I would love for people to start focusing on, right, this is where we were five years ago. We were getting, um, this was the average temperature, this was the sea level, um, these were the amount of storms that we had, these were the amount of forest fires that we had that weren't created by space lasers. Um, <laughs> this is where we are today compared to that. And based on our progress, this is where we'll be next year. People are complaining about the number of storms we've been getting in the, in the UK here for for the last year. L let's talk about that. Let's talk about unless something happens, there'll be one more next year. There'll be two more in two years. There'll be five more in five years. Let's make it practical. Let's make it. Let's let's talk about tomorrow. Like you say, let's let's talk about that. Let's if every year we improve one percent. In 20 years, we'll have improved 20%. It's that idea of those small incremental changes. If we can guarantee that tomorrow is better, then the day after tomorrow will be again better and better and better and, and will increase. Rather than talking about a distant future where we seem to be having this, this arrogance, I would call it, of, you know, we can just keep going at full speed and pull the handbrake at the, at the very last minute. As if society, as, as if the world is in, in some kind of action movie where we'll stop just a millimeter from, from, from the line where things go wrong. It's like we're expecting our future selves in 2049 to suddenly come up with the solution, but that's just not how it works. We need to get better tomorrow for the day after tomorrow to be better as well. I love the way you just explained that. Like the the action movie of like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Everybody's like, oh yeah, we'll just have some Bruce Willis type figure. We'll step in at the end and make sure that the asteroid or the ozone, you know, is defeated by most likely America. You know what I mean? And it's like it's this fantasy that we've just we've created. And I really like um how you guys have looked at because to keep it to keep it a 100%, it would be sexier to say, right? Like, you know, we plant this tree, your car is now carbon neutral, yeah. right? Or carbon negative. Uh, but I appreciate the honesty and the approach that you guys have taken. Um, 
and there's also something I noticed kind of when I was going through your website is that you also offer the opportunity for folks to use your logo. Uh, yeah. and, and that seems like it's kind of a community building effort, an effort to like create something that's recognizable. So tell, tell us a little bit more about the thinking beyond that. So the thinking there very much comes from, um, I think almost consumer demand, right? Is people start demanding more of this kind of stuff. Um, when you, I mean, this is a completely different example, but walk into any coffee chain here in the UK and somewhere, somehow you'll find a sign or a board talking about um, how their products are ethically sourced or how they're, they're supporting the, the coffee farmers or how they're supporting local communities, that kind of thing. I don't think that's because the board of Starbucks is sat in their top floor conference room feeling guilty about their lifestyle. I think it's simply part of their strategy of let's create an experience, let's create brand loyalty by making people feel like they're doing something good. Mm. And, and that's the way, in my opinion, Starbucks can, can over, overcharge for very average mm. coffee. And, and, and so it's, it's based on that idea of people want it, people want to be seen to be doing something. So if us allowing somebody to put our logo in their email signature helps them make a decision to plant trees, then you go for it. Absolutely, let's, let's, let's do that. If it makes you look better, all for it. Plus, at the same time, in terms of, of marketing strategy, somebody wants to boast about the fact that they're planting trees by sharing our logo, by sharing our website. I'm not going to say no to that. There you go. Yeah. There That's you how go. communities are built, is through the sharing of information, through the opening of information, which is why uh, being able to even do something as simple as saying, you guys can use our logo. Um, and that brings a sort of awareness, which, uh, you know, th that's not always that people aren't always privy to that privilege. And I think something like that um, might go over people's heads in terms of how actually va valuable it is to be able to do that. If you tried to do something else, you'd have to pay for it. Like you said, we saw the same thing with non-GMOs and uh, GMO-free labelings that were put onto foods and whatnot that actually we turns out it's just a purchased, uh, a purchased propaganda, if you will. So say I am a, a UK driver and, I, and I'm ready to offset my, my carbon footprints and I want to do some carbon offsetting to be carbon neutral and I'm behind the cause. What steps do I take to, be, uh, to, to go through the footprint positive road? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I've said, we've really focused on making it easy, making it um, accessible and affordable. So basically, all you do is you go to footprintpositive.com, footprint-positive.com. You scroll down to a calculator, you enter in your number plate, you enter in your annual mileage. Our system will look up your specific car. We'll give you three options, eight years, 10 years, 15 years, obviously, Eight years is the more expensive one. 15 years time is the cheaper one. Um, and you just click subscribe. Done deal. That's it. It's simple as that. Well, you heard it here first on the All The Way Live podcast, man. Go wherever you are. Wherever you are, go follow at footprint underscore positive. Uh, make sure that you are following everything that's going to happen because this is only going to get bigger. And if you're in the UK, go ahead and put your license in there. Start offsetting right now. 
right right now and mr Cornel, you know um as as a friend um i want to do definitely thank you for making the time as a uh as a visionary as as i like to see you in your own lights i'd like to thank you for your contributions towards making this world a better place man i think the work you guys are doing is super important at footprint positive i think it's tangible i think it's relatable um we we like to you know, we only we created this platform to be able to highlight people like uh, yourself that are doing that type of work, entrepreneurs, people that are that are really looking to make a difference. If you could give, because uh, me and you share love of statistics and numbers, if you could give either a quote or a phrase or a book that you're reading right now as uh, as an entrepreneur, what uh, what what would you impart on somebody on a similar journey to help them down the path? Ooh, so many quotes, so many books out there. I think at the moment I'm reading two books. Um, one is called Grit, which basically talks about the idea of talent versus generally grit, effort. Um, love the book. Um, best predictor of people's success is grit, is not talent. Um, simple as that. The other one I'm reading is The Power of Onlyness which focuses on the idea that you, because of your specific experience, because of your life experiences, because of your background, your makeup, your way of thinking, are able to come up with ways that nobody else in the world can come up with, with solutions that nobody else in the world can come up with. Whether that's a global problem, whether that's a specific problem in your company, in your life, there are things that you are necessary for, that you are needed for, and bringing that out, finding people to come alongside with you. Um, two fantastic books. Read them. Wow. I love, I'm going to check that. I'm going to check that last one out for sure, for sure. Because I love that. I love that idea um, on an individual level and on a collective level, right? I'm a big believer in the idea that when uh, a few people are in a room, there's something that only those people together can accomplish. Yeah. Uh, and I think we've done accomplish that here today, man. We appreciate it's it. Point. <laughs> definitely definitely listen Cordelia we have a long show to give these people you have set us off on the right direction you have kicked off the fireworks for us on this show man we want to thank you for joining us and with our producer's permission move on to the next segment of this show thanks for having me both love what you're doing keep it going Grab thanks brother thank you Can, can we give it up for our producer one time, please? Yeah, big facts. Please. Come on, man. There's, there's a big part of this show behind the scenes that's keeping us on point. That keeps us clean. That keeps us pushing. You're a real one, and we, wouldn't do, we couldn't do this show without you, man. Can't do this thing. Wouldn't do this thing without you, man. Got to keep pushing. All right, then. Miles Xavier, you know what time it is, man. We got a whole show that we give these folks. We got a whole bunch of things that we need to talk about. People, the world is going crazy, and we're tasked to make sense of it. Yeah, that's our job. And we're joined again here today by a frequent friend, teacher <laughs> on the show, <laughs> Elon Musk, man. Elon Musk did it again. He came out with the big wallet. What we're getting into specifically for this week 
As we're speaking about Elon Musk obviously buying Twitter last week on April 25th, Elon Musk officially put in the bid to purchase, acquire um, all of uh, all of the state the shares from shareholders in Twitter for $44 billion. Um, this is significantly above the Twitter asking price of $38, million, $38 billion of their last valuation. It was a lot of corporate gains that were involved. There was a lot of uh, corporate espionage that was involved. Drama. It happened all. <laughs> on Twitter. It unfolded on Twitter, ironically. Damn, I'm yeah, no, none of those things are, are a stranger to Twitter, man. Like, the drama... The, and it's been funny because especially Elon Musk has been somebody who's been very vocal on Twitter uh, and even influencing the stock price of some of his companies through tweets, right? So he's he's been uh, swinging his wallet around this the, the Twitter sphere, and now he done bought the whole thing. He done big walleted these boys out that company. And uh, should one man have all that power? Well, I'll tell you what, from a corporate um, from a corporate takeover perspective, this was a textbook hostile takeover, um, starting first by uh, coming in, acquiring a majority of the shares within Twitter. Uh, this was a coordinated attack for those that are paying attention to how this actually happened and how it went down. It was a three-step three attack plan. First, move in, purchase shares as a common shareholder. After that, double back in, see if you can buy everybody out while you have the majority shareholder a majority shareholder advantage. This would allow him then, when the shareholder, the, the other shareholder said no, he was like, listen, I don't even want to be a part of your board, which is why we saw him reject board status. What that would mean is that he does not have to listen to what it is that they're saying. He does not have to get permission from them to be able to move forward. So once Elon Musk was just like, forget that I'm about to buy this thing out, that's when we started seeing the formal offer being made. It's important to note, though, that that formal offer is just an offer. It has yet to be concrete. So there's still a legal process that has to go by. But that being said, he has come in and said that there's a whole bunch of things that he wants to change about Twitter. Um, I've never used Twitter, Mr. Maz Xavier, but I know you're Twitter famous recently being canceled for some of your comments. How do you feel about this? Well, I'm glad Elon's coming back. He's going to bring back the true voices of Twitter. Make sure that all of us have the ability to speak out on everything that bothers us. I'm looking at you, Hot Dog Lunchables. I'm looking at you, Dolly the Sheep. You gonna tell me y'all cloned the sheep in 2007? I've been canceled from my views, and we glad to be able to bring some of the hard-hitting issues back. Uh, but no, to keep, it, to keep it real, though, to keep it real, when I saw this, I was like, I was like, dang, this is crazy. I thought it was just Elon being Elon, you know, going off. Twitter took it very seriously. They hit the poison pill uh, <laughs> button real quick. They said, all hands on deck. Let's make sure that, and to those out there who don't know what to poison pill is, I didn't really have a full understanding. I knew it was a bad thing, but it's bad in the sense that it's supposed to devalue the price of the stock or allow stockholders to buy it at a discount to dilute the amount that the uh, aggressing party has holding in terms of their stock value. So Twitter hit that button. They called their lawyers. They got Goldman Sachs on the phone. They called JP Morgan. Uh, they called their, they called <laughs> the bankers, their lawyers. They called everybody. Um, and still, Elon was still able to buy this or, or you know, put an offer that outweighed their projected stock value. So they really got bullied. Uh, <laughs> they really got bullied into this. And I guess the question is, does it matter? Does it matter who runs Twitter? 
So the big criticism against Elon Musk, of course, is that people feel um, there's general disdain against billionaires in general. That is, is a casual theme. Bill Gates is 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 viewed as a as a nefarious character, same as with Elon Musk. So generally speaking, people don't fully trust billionaires. So I think there is that initial distrust of when Elon Musk um, says, listen, I want to turn this into a private company, change it up. Now, his reasonings for being able to do so is saying that there is it's an effort in order to increase the uh, free speech that Twitter uh, allows for, which is, in sense, the modern-day town town square where people can speak. And so the specific changes that he says he wants to run on is remove their reliance on ads, bring in an edit button, change content moderation policies, stopping spam bots, and open source algorithms, a whole bunch of different things that he's bringing into play, seemingly to make Twitter better as he sees it. And that's cool, man. If you, But then again, anytime anybody is in front of the news and they ask, hey, you got a whole bunch of power now, what you going to do? They say, calm down, gentle people of the square. I'm going to do all of these good things. But there's always unforeseen consequences and there's always intentions that I guess we have to question as the public that's going to be affected by this. Um, I think one of the big ones with Twitter is that like Twitter has a history of having to deal with uh, like harassment issues on the platform, right? Um, trying to protect user data, um, trying to eliminate misinformation and disinformation and just these issues where our collective use of Twitter makes us vulnerable as a society. And from that perspective, it's important who's pulling the puppet strings is aware of all of the ways in which the platform could be used against people and to turn people against each other. And I guess the question is, is Elon Musk a serious um, party to be trusted with that type of responsibility over how we interact with each other? So... I'm, I'm going to come real. I'm going to be honest. I do not fully subscribe to the notion that billionaires are inherently evil. Neither do I subscribe to subscribe to the notion that they do so through, um, they do those through corrupt measures. I do think that every large organization has, plays their own role in trying to optimize their profits by shaving off of taxes. I do think that that's something that happens um, across the board, but I don't necessarily think that that makes somebody have evil intentions, so to speak. Now, some of the things that might worry some people is if they look at how Elon Musk runs some of his other companies, specifically those for minorities and uh, people of, uh, of, of color, we've covered Tesla and whatever the case is. So I say this and hear me and hear me now, good people of Twitter, and I'm going to look right in the camera as I say this. If you've ever been called an N-word, if you've ever been lied, if you've ever been treated badly, you write that down. Now is the time to, to cash out, okay? <laughs> now is the time to cash out. You write that down, you hold on to it, and very soon, $100 million might be coming right towards your way. I like how you're keeping the people uh, on point, you know, what they what their priorities should be. Because, yes, Elon Musk has had to shell out a decent amount of money uh, for racism that's gone down under his watch. And so as he takes over a space where... Racism is uh, no stranger. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how he handles all of these issues, man. Um, I think to me, it's really, it's just really signif signifies like, and I love how you brought into it, the 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 time that we're in where Tesla's had workers organized underneath them to protest this. Uh, we're going to talk in a little bit about Disney, who's had workers organized to protest. We've seen Amazon's workers organized to protest. People are very conscious of, how companies are being operating 
and they're being forced to, um, at least on the public-facing side, present strategies and plans that reflect a care for, a greater care for people, the environment, and political issues than ever before. Um, Elon Musk is somebody who's been very dismissive of all of that, all of those pressures. So it'll be really interesting to see how it, how it plays out with him in, at the helm of the place where those fires get the hottest. You feel me? Definitely. And so part of the criticism that experts have given on some of the changes that he wants to put in is that although they might seemingly sound good, they might actually be a lot more complex than they seem. One, for instance, is Elon Musk says he wants to be able to remove ads from the Twitter revenue system. So currently Twitter derives 90% of its profits from ads, from ad revenue, um, which ties directly into the Twitter algorithm. I think by now we're all no strangers to the fact that our feeds are um, not carefully curated like we do the content on this show, but a different type of curated content that is specifically designed to be able to market uh, on is to be able to market to you and to keep you onto the platform. And so what that has done is it has um, also allowed for things such as shadow banning to be quite prevalent, things such as uh, muting people and also just a over um, an over focus on getting people to just buy things as opposed to seeing things as they are within the Twitter sphere. So Elon Musk says he wants to be able to break that down, but it turns out it's actually not as easy as he, as he thinks it's going to be. I think that gets at some of the issue that people have with billionaires, right? Is that the ability to amass a huge amount of wealth through one particular venture gives you a lot of money, which in turn gives you a lot of power, which in turn allows you to manipulate a whole lot of other areas. And you may not have the same amount of uh, expertise. Uh, You might not be the right person to be a leader in those areas, but because you got so much money, uh, you know what I'm saying? Off the off of this one area, you now can manipulate those other areas. Kanye, all right? <laughs> if we talk about billionaires, uh, you know they have the ability to hop out of their lane with incredible consequences to the general public. And I think when we see them simplify areas of commerce that they're taking over that aren't that don't represent the places where they've had success people start to get worried and go, does this, is this man really know what he's talking about? So that speaks directly towards a comment that we have coming from the comment section. And we still like to uh, remind absolutely everybody that's paying attention, that's watching live to please do drop a comment in the comment section. This is an open conversation. As always, we're speaking as a community question coming in. Mr. Miles Xavier, what about the idea that you can't become a billionaire without the exploitation of people, resources, us making billionaires evil? Don't you do that. You know, you know, I, you know, this question is for you. You know that. Go ahead. Look, <laughs> look, I, I, it's one of the bigger criticisms that come against this level of wealth creation is the avoidance of taxes. Tax avoidance is, is a pretty big thing. I think what's what's dope about what Elon Musk has been doing with his type of, of billion- Elon Musk is the type of billionaire, dare I say, not without fault, but he's the type of billionaire you want, right? In you want somebody whose main company is based on electrical cars, which means green energy. You want somebody who is proactive in being able to at least seemingly from the offset being able to open up and be more inclusive in the information sharing 
and information sharing systems. Um, his work that he's doing with Tesla is quite, uh, with the SpaceX is also rather, rather important just to be able to advance space travel, things like that. So, you, you know, nobody is perfect. And we're not saying that Elon Musk is perfect. But if you look at the previous years, the type of billionaires that we've had, we're talking about oil, um, oil power, uh, people that are, you know, major invested in fossil fuels or things that are extractive within, uh, extractive from, from the world, essentially, you know, so it's, is he the perfect billionaire? No, nobody's perfect. But I would say that he is the type of person to do that. Now, do all billions come from exploitation? No, but I do think that a lot of billions do come from somebody getting a short end of some sort of stick uh, and somebody getting the top end of that. And that could come through contractual, that could come through system advantage, uh, that could come through a various host of advantages. It's not just the exploitation of people. I think my I would say that it's not just the exploitation of people, but it it billionaires are a product of a system that incentivizes the exploitation of people in order to reach uh, a financial peak, which is kind of deemed the upper echelon of achievement. And I think reworking that has a lot to do with whether or not people have the ability to amass that kind of that kind of wealth. Um, I think billionaires are they are like a they're a beacon. They're a, they're a symbol of what capitalism can create, and the fact that it's up to how benevolent this one person is, how all of that power gets used, is something that we have to decide if we're okay with that or not. Um, I'm personally for the building of structures that maybe to the with a specific focus on exploitation, a limit not only exploitation, but the incentives towards exploitation. And I think that you can't implement those systems without crippling a lot of what allows people to become billionaires. Um, so if I'm, if that makes me anti-billionaire, I'm, I'm, I'm with that. I'm with that. But that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean I have a prediction on how Elon Musk takeover of, of Twitter will go. Um, I, I think that remains to be seen, but it's, it's crazy to me. The crazy part of all this to me is that, Twitter has become a space where Elon can tweet, his stock price goes up, millions of dollars are made, right? The former uh, CEO of Twitter can tweet and influence um, how current deals are being made, as he, even though he's a board member that stepped down as an executive, right? And what happens when um, these people that have amassed power for reasons that don't have much to do with public consensus of the public putting them in these positions uh, consciously have free reign over the public square as we've said before so so one of the things that um one of the things that looks to target exactly how twitter is being used and the main thing that musk wants to change interestingly enough was backed by jack dempsey who is the founder of twitter so jack dempsey founded twitter uh, a while back sold it off um, sold it off for billions of dollars, and that's when you know a lot of people were taking pieces and pieces of, of it and let it become into this marketing targeted machine. Jack Dempsey has since then been rather mum on the support for Twitter and things like that. So that uh, so what we saw is that Jack Dempsey actually ended up supporting Musk, and he says that them per Musk purchasing Twitter stems from a conversation that he had with Musk when he said, listen, Twitter right now is becoming a lot more toxic. It's becoming, it's, it's silencing a lot of people. It needs to be more open for the greater good because this is where most of human interaction, human communication happened, to which Musk was empowered 
and then motivated to purchase that he make it the source. He wants to make the um, Twitter open source, the algorithm open source. Now, what that means is that instead of the algorithm now being specifically targeted to give you marketing-related stuff, things that can keep you on from a marketing perspective, um, it will now just be... Uh, it will be transparent for you to be able to see what's coming towards you. And then also being able to allow that uh, your recommendations not to be based on what's best to sell to you, but more so on your personal preferences of content and also what is actually relevant and not relevant in the town square at the moment. But that's difficult. Yeah, that's mad hard. That's mad hard. But I think that's dope. I think that represents a cool idea. I think that represents an idea where uh, social media platforms aren't, tilted toward the worst parts of our nature but i don't know whether i think i think whenever there are there whenever you make a change this significant to something that affects this many people there are always unforeseen consequences and i guess what remains to be seen is how we will all deal from those consequences and the choices that we'll make what i'm worried about is the fact that this man is automating cars building robots that look and walk like people and now controls where people put all their thoughts. If those three things aren't a combination for an iRobot type scenario, then I bet. Y'all don't don't run to me when the light turns red and now y'all, we the targets, all right? <laughs> I, I don't think Elon Musk, I don't think Elon Musk is particularly making robots that are walk that are walking look like people. That might no, be somebody is. else. They're not. Tesla is releasing automated humanoid robots in the next two years. Check that out. You know where those robots could potentially find employment? I think I know. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. That's you, big Listen, <laughs> yo, listen. What we've got content for days today, man. We got content for days. Thank you to absolutely everybody rocking us with us uh this far into the show. We see the live audience in. Please be sure to make sure that you comment in the comment section and have your comment read uh out on the show. Yeah, listen, man. Giving people more information. This is the current news section. It turns out that Disneyland is its own government. Mickey Mouse is the president. Florida wants to get him out of there because Disneyland hates gays. Mouse, make sense of it all. Dun, dun. This is definitely a Law & Order <laughs> episode of the All The Way Live podcast. The All The Way Law & Order show. Check this out, man. The government versus Mickey Mouse. Uh, this is this story. This story hits home for me, man, because uh, I've... Uh, I know a lot about Disney World. I have a lot of Disney World information in my head. And I learned a lot about Disney researching for this for this topic. But this one, this one, this one is wild to me, man. Did you grow like how how involved was Disney in your childhood? Not not so involved. I have I've been at Disney World once. It's it's, it's quite incredible. But I know you're you're a Disneyland, you're a Disneyland kid. You're you're a Disneyland kid. I mean as much as as Disney Channel 
you you know Disney Channel. I'm more of a Cartoon Network guy myself, if I'm being more honest. But Disney Channel came a bit later, and that's where that's that's my extent my extent to it. But as far as Disney World, been there once, dug it. It's nice, cool place. Lines super long. Food way too expensive. <laughs> Big facts, man. It's just Disney was um like I was a Lion King. Hercules. That was my as a little kid. Those was my joints. I had the VHSs, and on the VHS tapes, I'm gonna date myself, but some of y'all gonna remember what I'm talking about. On the VHS tapes, they used to have a, a commercial for Disney World where it'd be two kids in the bed, little white kids. They wake up out they sleep, and it'd be the day before they was going to Disney World, and that was the littest situation ever. You Those kids were excited, son. Bro, fam. <laughs> so, like. To for Disney as an adult to be in the pickles <laughs> that it's in right now, to be looking at these companies through the lens of social issues and through politics, it makes me wonder like, was it always this wild? Like, where where are where our parents and grandparents were they looking at the institutions that they like saw as kids and like crumble and fracture and be like, because we have <laughs> we have a lot of access to see some wild stuff happen. With the companies that we that that raised us, companies, uh, f- uh, cultural figures, icons, idols, no one is safe. No one is safe. Even Disney World, no one is safe. Disney World turns out are quite uh, duplicitous in no way. <laughs> Shout out to Hassan <laughs> for the YouTube community looking at the the South Park on the show. Um, yeah, man. So, what have we been learning over some time? Is that Disneyland actually, uh, through regulations, has been able to isolate itself within Florida to become uh, essentially its own governing, its own governing country. So Disneyland is in fact its own governing country. This was done almost half uh, fifty years ago with the creation of Reedy Creek. Reedy Creek is the plot of area that Disneyland stays in. What's the hype about Reedy Creek and why is it so important to the story? Well, it's important to the story because um, there's a being your own government, spoiler alert, has a lot of political implications. <laughs> but it's also it's it's a it's a move that Disney made to be able to kind of govern how things are done around Disney World, um, which has led to a lot of crazy stories about Disney, like the fact that they don't let anybody die in the parks, right? You hurt, they carry you out of there. You're not, they can't declare you dead until you're out of Disney World because nobody is allowed to die on the happiest place. I did not know that. <laughs> that is nuts. No, <laughs> wasn't there a girl that got ate by an alligator a few months ago in Disney, a few years ago? Uh, it, it, it's happened, man. It's happened. There's, I know a lot of crazy. I used to date this chick that was obsessed with Disney World. I think she was angling for a very expensive date, but I know a lot of r- ridiculous facts about Disney World. Like, you used to be able to take a night tour of Animal Kingdom. Used to serve you beer. Used to get like an African themed meal in the middle of the night at at, uh, Animal Kingdom. You know what I'm saying? Bring that back. But anyway, it has a lot of political implications for them to be able to run their own government. Um, Essentially, like, and they doing it, fam. They doing it. They got their own sewage going. They pipe in their own electricity. They own water systems. They built their own roads. They got their own fire department. They got their own medical emergency services. They don't have their own police. Right. They they still rely on county police and highway patrol to make arrests. Um, but they are responsible for a lot of the public services that are administered in the area of Florida where Disneyland or Disney World is. 
And they also get to the, a big part of why they wanted to do it because they don't want to wait in line and have to employ a whole bunch of lawyers every time they want to do something that involves zoning or other regulations. So they get to circumnavigate that and then they hold down the bill for the area around Disney World. A big part of that reasoning is also to control the neighbors that come around Disney World. Now, if you got the happiest place on earth, the last thing you need is noisy neighbors next door to you. So part of Reedy Creek was to allow Disney Light, my brother said, to expand quite quickly in the construction of this metropolis that they wanted to be able to create, uh, skating past regulations and lawyers. Uh, and being able to create, but also being able to control some of the neighbors that are around Disney and keeping it tight. Now, some of what that has allowed, obviously, is that's been some tax incentives that Disney has been able to benefit from because of Reedy Creek uh, to the tune of almost $10 million a year in taxes is no not going towards the federal income tax side because Diddy of Disney is considered its own federation, its own its own uh, government. So they don't have to pay that federal income tax, uh, $10 million. Now, what would what that would mean if Reedy Creek now, because the battle that Disney's having with the state of Florida is to be able to remove that privilege from them, they'd be set to having to pay this bill. But that being said, Disney goes, uh, 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 but wait. Like every other state, we also have some bond debt that we hold on to. So as a state operates and it accumulates debt, they don't always have to off-pay that that debt immediately. They, you know, they can transfer that debt into the construction of other things, whatever the case. Disney has Disney has almost a billion dollars in state bond debt that they're holding on to. And they say if you guys want to get us out, everybody gotta share this bill. Everybody gotta share this bill. But wait a minute, Way. We're talking about the mouse, man. The mouse that be that's, that's 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 the real household name. The mouse is in every house, man. It's a love beloved character, a beloved company. Why would Florida want to kick the mouse out of his house, man? You see, Florida is not trying to kick the mouse out the house, but the mouse is playing rat tricks right now. Is what's going on? <laughs> the mouse is playing rat tricks. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> but what? But some. A bigger criticism on Disney that I see that is more relevant is uh, in in what their support is, what they they're pandering towards uh, China and uh, their relationship towards China and making sure that all content is skewed towards the preferencing of China, uh, Chinese content and uh, that type of thing. I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of this particular instance with Disney being given its own government. Uh, hey, y'all, y'all made this bed. Y'all got to lay in it. Y'all gave them the access. Yeah, but I think we got to talk about why they're being, why why Florida is now saying, nah, <laughs> y'all can't be your own government no more. I heard it's because Disney don't like gay folk. I think you heard wrong. I think it's because Florida don't like gay folk. Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> or Florida at least passed the don't say gay bill. Uh, and at first, Disney was crickets, right? Disney was like, hey, look. Right, right. Then it came out that Disney had uh, funded some of the politicians that were behind the "Don't Say Gay" bill, and several of the uh, several a whole bunch of the um, cast members. That's what Disney calls its employees, cast members. A whole bunch of the cast members got together in protest to say, "Hey, man, we don't want to support this company that's paying politicians that are supporting this bill, the Don't Say Gay" bill." Right. So then Disney was like, oh, yeah, uh, that's right. We support all the gays. 
and the LGBTQI plus community. And then the government of Florida was like, oh, yeah, y'all support the gays, even though we passed this bill. Well, y'all don't get to be y'all own government no more. We're going to take your land. And I think that's why that's why we at where we at. Um, I think then my entire approach to this research has been wrong, y'all. I've been labeling Disney as the <laughs> as the as a terrible company. I got some notes that I gotta I got some notes that I gotta edit over here. <laughs> hey man, that's what we do, man. That's what we do is we get to the we get to the root of it. Um and so to even like kind of expound a little bit on so basically what the don't say gay bill is, is it limits teachers in in schools from uh even saying you know talking about lgbtq plus issues in the classroom until children are in third grade right um how do you feel about that you know that's one conversation whether a company's stance on a political issue like that should warrant or whether it should be possible for a government to say Oh, y'all don't agree with us? I bet. We mess it, we take it away your political privileges. Should they have had those privileges in the first place? I think that's those are the back and forth of where this conversation is like kind of crazy. Yeah. It's not cool. It's not cool the fact that Disney obviously um in support of in support of the freedom of expression is being penalized in this matter. But that being said, um, it does point more towards it does point more towards uh something that large co- companies and organizations in the u.s get to get away with a lot which is tax evasion um about the don't say gay bill check out our episodes uh go on to our youtube spotify uh soundcloud wherever uh podcast it drops and check out our full-length episode on uh don't say gay i think we covered it quite well if you ask me that being said <laughs> large companies are skating past taxes so 55 of the uh, 55 of the largest companies within the u.s did not pay federal income tax in 2021 which means that um, this does not necessarily mean that they don't pay any taxes at all, but just the federal income tax. Now, this is due to smart accounting between book balance and accounting balances, where on the book side, you can say, we made all this money, share it to your shareholders. And then on the accounting side to the government, you go, we actually spent all that money and technically we didn't make a profit. So you cannot, in fact, tax us. Now, that costs the U.S. government about $10 billion a year. $10 billion a year. I'm torn between that because as a business owner, I'm constantly looking for different ways to be able to minimize the taxes that I pay. Um, so there's a bit of a conflict of interest with uh, at what point does that become something that you stop striving for as a, as a business and at what point it becomes detrimental to who's supposed to be getting those taxes. I don't get a $10 billion tax bill, but if I was, I definitely look for ways to be able to make that less than 10 I mean, I think we're all looking for a break in a system that doesn't make making it easy on any of us. But I think there's a big difference. And we are able to differentiate between those of us who are the Zways of the world trying to put together and incorporate a small business or a small enterprise with the homies and trying to trying to turn a profit versus a company like Disney which has decades and decades of making millions and millions of dollars. Um, so, and I, and I think that applies both to the ways that we regulate and to the way that we tax. I think it's really interesting to see 
these pressures, as information becomes more available to people, right, we start to have to have these conversations about what we're willing to allow companies to do and the power that we're willing to allow them to have and the responsibility that they have, man. My, my, my man, Bob Chapek, who's the CEO of Disney, can't win right now because he was late to to comment on the issue in the first place, you know, and then when he does comment, he's angered an entire other side of people who are for the bill that they were silent on in the first place. And it kind of brings back to the, the, to the question, what responsibility do companies have to us? Do CEOs have to be human rights leaders, right? Do they have a choice? It's the same question that goes for athletes. Do do we expect our athletes to be human rights activists as well? I think, man, that if you care about something and you are very passionate about a cause, then by all means, there's no, no greater feeling than being able to support that financially and through your organization and whatever the case. And something like um, protesting against the Don't Say Gay Bill is not some, is something that I can't necessarily be mad at because at the end of the day, it looks to open up for inclusivity and self-expression. Um, you know, so off, off of that, off, off of off of that, do CEOs need to be outspoken, um, outspoken activists? I'm an outspoken activist CEO. Where y'all at? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think I think because of all the success that I wish you, I think at a certain point, hopefully, you will be making billions of dollars, and you'll have to, you know, make a decision about how that wealth is going to be distributed um, and the practices or even on your way to that point, the practices that you're willing to allow to happen under your corporation, your business, your watch, um, that'll get you there. But it's also interesting. Like, I think we're in a space where people just can't ride the fence no more. You just can't, you like, that's what we're doing to each other is where we're forcing these political conversations to have to happen in the open. And as much as the, it's ugly and as much as there's misinformation that's swirling and people are, you know, are at the odds in a way that they haven't been in a long time. You can't, I think as a corporation, you got to be like Ben and Jerry's. We know where Ben and Jerry's stand. They they take they stand on their issues. They stay consistent with it. They take the, the people that are not going to rock with them and they continue to rock with the people that are in alignment with their stance. And I think if you're a corporation like Disney, especially one that targets the vast majority of its content towards children, you got to figure out what your company stance is. You got to stay that. You got to stick with that. Right. All this flip flopping is clearly just going to lose you people on both sides. So to me, that's that's where it is. You got to be able to stand for what you believe in and be willing to face the consequences. Y'all heard that. Y'all heard that. Stand within it and face the consequences. Mr. Miles Xavier, if people have been rocking with us for this far into the show, then they know exactly what comes next on this part of the show, which is the people's favorite part of the show. And I know y'all want it. I know y'all been waiting for it, but you got to hold on. You got to hold on just one second because we got something for you, something special. Something a little sad, but mostly good. We're going to take a break, y'all. Quick break. One week break. Then my boy finish up his finals, get his meditation on, get right. So because we're going to take a break, we're going to add a little bit more to the show. Make sure we give you something to hold y'all over. And then we're going to keep it going. Hey, man. Let's get into the people's favorite part of the show. Yo. 
We still gonna talk about my man's. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I think people come here. I don't want to say people come here for one reason and one reason only, but uh, they definitely do seem to come back for this one reason here more than any other reason. I'm confused, man. This is what we do when we do this thing live. Hold on. Are we not going to do the thing? We're not going to talk about my man's. My man on fire. No, recommended and review, baby. <laughs> I thought that that comes at the Lucy's at the end. That comes Lucy's at the end. All right, man, I got it messed up. I got it messed up, but that's cool, man. You know what I'm saying? We do the stay live. Appreciate y'all for rocking with us. Cool. I'm even more excited then. Push. Miles going to hear this from the producer after this, boy. <laughs> Get him. <laughs> Get him. Definitely, we got Push the T coming in, man. You know what it is. Recommend it and review. Y'all guys' favorite part of the show. We give y'all what y'all want. Y'all guys want us to talk about hip hop. Y'all guys want to talk about that fly stuff. Y'all guys want us to recommend. And y'all guys want to recommend things to us to review. And we do exactly that. And this week ain't no different. We're coming straight through with It's Almost Dry. Push your T. Yo. I'm a big fan of Push. I like I pushes pushes the artist that I'm always mad I didn't mention when we're talking about who's who's killing the game right now. And I think part of that is because Pushes Pushes contributed so much to an area of music that he's the champion of, right? Uh, I think there's a difference between what Push does and what Griselda does, what some of the other Coke rappers do. And I think the difference is on full display um, and it's almost dry by Pusha T. Uh, when it comes to luxury drug raps, uh, it, you have to you have to include a few people into that luxury drug raps conversation and definitely in contention for maybe one of the best in that genre is Pusha T. Uh, alongside you have folks like Rick Ross, who you can consider into that, into that as well. Jim Jones. Uh, maybe if you want to sneak in some of the Griselda boys, I wouldn't necessarily fully encapsulate that as luxury drug rap all the time, but Pusha T definitely sticks close to that. Um, last we heard from Pusha T was off of Daytona in 2018. This is the I, I I loved Daytona when it first came out. I really dug it, um, but I was left wanting more. Man, I was left wanting more. It was only seven uh, seven songs. I think what's particularly interesting about <clears throat> this uh, this album when it dropped was the fact that Push Pusha T has stepped down as the president of Good Music, which he was before. Um, so I was very interested to see what's going to happen. And leading up to this album, you saw Pusha T um, Pusha T promoting a lot uh uh repackaging a lot of his loose singles and loose songs that Pusha T had out and packaged them into different types of things. So I was like, oh this is interesting. It looks like there's a reshuffling of the catalog and I wonder what that impact will have on the album. Lo and behold, we get it's almost dry. Um puts it out last week. I have I, I, I haven't stopped listening to it. This one has been uh you know sometimes you an album comes out on a Friday and you run it and you're like, ah, you know, not in the right space. You know, gotta gotta try this somewhere else. This wasn't one of those. This one, from the moment that it came on throughout the entire the entire project, um, I think he he hit, and that's I think kind of what separates Push from a lot of other artists is that Push is has the ability to take bigger risks on beats. 
He has the ability to take bigger risks in cadences and delivery. And he has an uncanny way of knowing how the audience, how to make it not corny, how to make all of those risks hit the way that they're supposed to hit from the audience's perspective, right? Like it's an execution thing and, and Push has got it on lock. Super, super lockdown. And when we talk about ex, uh, ex, uh, experimental hip hop, um, what rings, one of the things that pops up to me is that Call My Bluff, right? Track four with Call My Bluff, where the sample is very, uh, it's very empty. It's a, it's a hollow sample, so to speak. You know, the, 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 the beats and the cadence is a bit off, off kilter a bit produced by Pharrell, um, but it but but it connects it, it definitely connects and like you said i think push is so good in being able to find a pocket in almost every uh crevice of 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 the the beast that they give him what is clear from the risks that he takes and how comfortable he is with them is that he's comfortable with the producers that he's working with a lot of pharrell on this album a lot of kanye on this album and they're both flexing quite very they're, they're both flexing their their producer prowess to almost it's almost like a battle in beats in terms of which one sounds best which one doesn't my humble opinion for i'll watch kanye on this album with the beats um the, the just to get into a few call, uh, call my bluff open air excuse me Whew. um open air uh neck and wrist was kanye uh but that brambleton as well incredible not nah, neck and wrist was pharrell too neck and wrist was pharrell yep Whew. So I heard that too when the album dropped, right? That it was like, oh, this is half Kanye, half push. I had I didn't look at who produced what until this morning. And I wrote down my favorite tracks. Uh and to be to to not even to bury the lead, uh like five out of six of my favorites was Pharrell, right? And he kind of gives it a little bit away for those of y'all who don't know, deep hip hop heads, right? Pharrell got that uh that four bar count in that. Whatever the first beat of the song is, you're gonna hear that four times. Dun, 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 and then go into the song. That's a Pharrell producer. That's a Pharrell counting. Yeah. Uh, so, but from Brambledon, which is like typical push, first song on the album, that's push being very intentional about delivering what we know push can do. Uh then it's let the let the smoker shine the coops, bruh. That the way his approach to every verse on that joint, the way that his voice comes in. Like it's crazy, and I I actually watched the um interview with him and Jimmy Fallon where he's telling Jimmy Fallon that uh he working with Push is actually much more difficult than working with Ye because Push is thinking about all those things, composing the cadence of Pharrell. Reverse should go. Oh, uh, you're right, Pharrell. My bad. Um, uh, Pharrell's composing all of those things, and it comes through, man. So the way that that song hits, the way that for like Push's delivery is compliments for those beats right there is crazy the one that the one joint that yay got that i just think can't be ignored is rock and roll like sorry that kid cuddy and kanye ain't cool no more um but the way that that joint comes together that song is that song is made by somebody who knows how to make music and that's the yay showing a glimpse of how he still he still got it and deserves to be put up next to pharrell um but it's on my bluff it's open air those are the joints, man. The rock and roll. That's actually one of my least favorite songs on the album. Interesting that you say it's uh it's one of your favorites. That's uh it's one of my least favorite. Um from the jump, man. That opening track is one of my favorite opening tracks in a in a long time. That Brambleton really is something special. Uh the first five 
tracks of this album are are no skip first six uh from one to six it's it's just straight let the smokers shine the coops dreaming of the past that that feature in there that um the sample of uh it's a donny hathaway sample it's a yep. donny hathaway sample absolutely super super smooth uh all the way to diet coke if you like rock and roller like my brother which then takes you to call my bluff that's eight out of eight off of that alone and then you jump into hear me clearly open air least favorite for me scrape it out wasn't that crazy about the Uzi song, Rock and Roller, wasn't that crazy about it, and Pray For You. But that's three out of, uh, that's that's nine out of 12, which for me, I've just been going back to and back to and back to. That's a high percentage album in my book. Big facts. Yeah, Scrape It Off was my least favorite too. Everything else I think here is is fire. This is probably one of my favorite push albums, and that's saying something um, for an artist that's been in the game so long, to be still putting out stuff that's comparable, uh, if not, as good or better than his than his previous work. Um, here from all push the T man. Um, Mr. Miles Xavier, we've been we've been very very friendly with some of the ratings that we've been giving uh, that we've been giving albums. Some people even are asking us, are these dudes too too loose? Do these guys give off too many fours and fours and a halves and fives? How come nobody gets a two? How come nobody gets a one? Well, it ain't starting today. Nope. It ain't starting today. Yeah, nah, it ain't starting. We ain't giving this a two. <laughs> nah, this is a foe to me. This is a foe to me. Definite four. This is a definite, definite four, I think, man. Yo, um, I, I really enjoyed this album. I'm so glad that it came out the way that it did. I'm glad that we got a lot more tracks out of this album. It looks like Pusha T's on a media on a media tour of sorts, so I hope that means that an actual tour is coming soon. I hope a deluxe is coming soon, man. Um, Good hip hop, good luxury drug rap that gets get you through the day. Word, word, yeah. This one, this one is um, it's, it's it, I don't want to. You can't, you know, you can't label nothing like an instant classic or whatever. But I think that in just representing how many different ways that you can do that, you can talk that you can talk about cocaine. <laughs> if I'm being honest, this is one of the ones that yo. This is a shining example that I would say if you if you want something different, try this. Definitely. Now, Mr. Miles Xavier, as my brother had mentioned previously uh, in the show, we will be taking a week off. Uh, we'll be uh, so we won't have another new episode coming out next week. Uh, it will not be two weeks because we cannot leave y'all for two weeks without content. So we'll be back a week after that. And because of that, we would like to open up the comment section, open up for y'all to be talking in the comment section, uh, shooting us some questions, shooting us some topics that you want us to be able to address in a new segment part of the show, which we call Lifehouse Lucy's. Miles, what is Lifehouse Lucy's? Man, it's just uh, they one-offs, man. They, they they singles, they joints that you know we don't really have any intention to put on a project or to put on one of our uh, our carefully curated shows. But we thought it was a, a interesting topic to discuss, right? No less carefully curated, but um, more miscellaneous, if you will. Uh, and this one, this week's is uh, it's interesting, man. I feel like it's at the intersection of a lot of what we what we've been talked about. Um, it's a little bit heavy. Which is why I think my instinct was to just try <laughs> try and get it out before we got to the got to the music. Um, but you know, I think it I think it it's important conversation for us to have. Um, 
One with not many details, man. Uh, rest in peace to Win Bruce. Uh, he's a climate change activist that set himself on fire uh, in front of the Supreme Court. Oh, I thought I thought Hassan was gonna pull up the video. I was gonna be like, no, <laughs> don't pull up the video of this man burning himself, setting himself video? on fire. There's definitely a video. Probably there's a video. Man, if you if you guys set yourself on fire from the Supreme Court, there's definitely a video out there somewhere of it. Well. I'm 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 glad we have a a, a tasteful producer that that knew to pull up a, a image of my man's um, rest in peace to him. Uh, we've talked for the last few weeks, man, about issues related to climate change. We had the F cars conversation. Um, we just had uh, our boy Cornel on here talking about footprint positive, how to offset your your vehicle emissions. Um, so this man was seemed like he would have been interested in a lot of those conversations. Um, and just from the perspective of of somebody who is into the issues that we rock with, um, it's 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 hard to to see a story like this. My man set himself on fire on Earth Day, uh, and was a climate change activist, but left no note or no manifesto. So we don't really know. We don't have really any clarity on 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 his perspective on on what this was supposed to do or what it was supposed to be. Um, so I'm left with questions. As, a, as somebody who cares about a lot of things, I'm, I'm left with questions about how far is too far when you really care about an issue. Um, I'm left with questions about, is this an effective means of protest? Uh, and the only person I know to ask uh, is my partner in protest and my partner in taking on them issues. Uh, Zway, please tell me <laughs> that I don't have to set myself on fire uh, for the cause. If we did want to go viral, um and we wanted to take this show to another yo, level yo we douse ourselves in propane in the name of black power <laughs> and watch the watch these streams shoot up but we wouldn't be able to enjoy it which is my point about this particular action over here is that this man has done something um in a in, in a seemingly notable for a seemingly notable cause for a no, notable cause however um someone whose passion for activism, if, if your passion for activism led you to set yourself on fire, I would say try and direct that fire towards being proactive about the solutions and let that empower you. It's it's a statement, but the outcome is short-lived. Bro, they're bombing hundreds of people in Russia, and we haven't seen anything about it on the news because Johnny Depp's girlfriend is pooping in his bed. So if you want to make a real impact, I think uh, grabbing a... a the, the news highlight segment for a particular time for setting yourself on fire, I don't think will have as large of an impact as you think it will. I think that's a lot to take in. I think, um, I think I can see where in a world where everybody's eyes are devoted to something like a divorce trial between movie stars, it seems like the only way to get attention and to bring attention is to an issue is to die or is with death, or is with sensationalism. And I'm not trying to, like, like this, this segment is not to, is not to, is not to down my man. It's not to, it's not to say that what he did was, was ineffective, or was wrong, or was stupid. I think it's, it really, to me, it, it sparked a conversation about, like, at least to me, about, it's sparking a conversation enough right is being a conversation piece enough is it our best is it our best issue right and i th or best approach and i think um 
I, that's, I think I'm hurt because I can see how somebody would say, I've done the work. I've, I've joined the organizations. I've supported the organizations. I've hosted the events. I've written the things. I've published the things. I've talked on the news. And nobody has paid attention. How do I, how do I get the eyes to it? Um, and so I, I, I'm not saying that he was right, but I'm also saying that I feel him. And um, those questions right there are the, the that's the um, that's the activist journey. That's that's the journey that everyone has to take if you care about something is to realize and and figure out ways to make it more pertinent. Is to continue to uh, figure out the different ways that you can involve a community around it and and increase the spread of that community to get on one accord. Um, Greta Thunberg, little white girl. <laughs> Brought so much attention to uh, to climate change to self-fulfil self once, you know what I mean. So, if 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 you're truly passionate about it, you have a lot of tools. Um, there are a lot of tools that you can utilize in order to to promote that. But I think that there is a very short-lived glory when it comes to this form of activism. But that's the thing. I don't know if my man was looking for glory. I think I think a big part of activism is being is being aware that you're planting seeds and hopefully doing things that you might not be able to see the fruit of, but that hopefully future generations will be able to take on and 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 push forward. And I think sometimes we're so devoted to the cause that we lose our sense of self in it, right? I think sometimes if you're looking for the cause to fill a hole in yourself, then sometimes the line between the cause and yourself gets gets blurry. And I think if nothing else, it's a reminder to, to check on your friends that are working hard on the things that they care about. Check on where their mindset at, check on how they thinking of their issue, check on how much rope, how much uh, of themselves they have left. How how many on how many ends are they burning their candle? Um, because I I I don't know that somebody didn't, but I would hope that this man has somebody that cared about him to say that they cared about him more than the movement. That his life was worth more to the people around him, the people that he fucked with, than for him to go out and do this. And that they would be with him to find another way. And I'm I'm grateful, super grateful to be surrounded by a community of folks that I know will be with me. To find another way um, until there ain't one. Some insight into why we even started this show, right? And we said we said at the top of every show, we said this is a place for um, positivity. We say it's a place for energy because we know people are going through it, you know. And so, um, in full transparency, if we're giving the if we if the vulnerable are powerful, I, I said if the vulnerable are powerful, yes, yeah, sir. Um, <laughs> um, um my my cousin took his life my cousin took his life uh earlier this earlier last year um my cousin took his life last year and this was you know we had just restarted the podcast again for the second time um but one thing that one thing that i kept on thinking about was man i wish that he had somewhere that could maybe have changed his mind at that last second to give him some, just a little bit more to keep going. Because like with suicidal thoughts, the, um, the brain gets caught in a loop, 
the brain gets caught in the loop that that that's inescapable. It's a momentary loop, and sometimes those loops can can last days, months, years, whatever the case is. But it, it's a momentary thought, and if you're unable to escape that loop, then you succumb and 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 you get defeated by it. So, um, suicide is something that that that's been very prevalent in my life. I've I've lost a I've, I've buried two brothers, numerous friends to 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 suicide. I've been to more suicide funerals than weddings in in this particular in this time of my life. Which again, why we create the show is for people like that. So stories like this reinforce to me the importance it is for us to come continuously come back here, um, try to be present, try to intentionally make a pool of positivity so that anybody that's going through with thoughts of saying like, man, I'm, I'm worthless in this world. I don't matter. And I should take it out. We're here to tell you like, nah, you do matter. You absolutely do matter. You're not your thoughts and you are the universe experiencing the universe in the form of you. The glory and the greatness that is the universe is being currently channeled through you. You know, and I think that type of thing is important, and that's why we that's why we do the show, man. Man, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. And we know that channeling the majesty of the universe doesn't always feel good. And uh we're here for those times. That's 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 what that we hope you uh eat something delicious, hug some someone you love and put us on. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. uh, Man, I, I appreciate you, brother, as 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 uh as as I was gonna say one half, but but maybe it's more appropriate to say one third of this space. Uh shout out to our boy Hassan on the boards. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Hold it down. And um, you know, I'm I'm super grateful to both of y'all. Uh I don't know what I'm gonna do with my Sunday without y'all, man. I'm I'm gonna have to figure something out. Um, I don't know what I'm gonna do without y'all, the audience. Uh, we hope that y'all out there like, comment, subscribe, and are locked in so that y'all can go review some of the clips you missed, some of the shows you missed, some of the topics you missed, uh, and don't miss us too much before we before we are back. Um, big gratitude, uh, big love. Um, it's way. growing. We know. This thing is growing. This thing is growing. This thing is growing. This thing is growing, man. We see it. We appreciate it. Like my brother says, it's because we know. Yeah, man, we know y'all could be anywhere in the world. Uh, and wherever y'all are in the world, y'all here rocking with us. And we appreciate that so much. This is a celebration of celebrating. This is a celebration of love. This is a celebration of how good it feels to be black. Don't it feel good, way? Down to my bones. We hope it feels good to be you down to your bones. Uh, we hope it feels good to be in the skin you're in. Like I said, eat something delicious. Hug someone you love. Listen to some luxurious cult music. Peace, water, we gone. Yeah, 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 I get that, I get that. But is we live, though? Is we, like, all the...